Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to Business Builder Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to find out how to make your startup tax bulletproof in acquisition deals, and Crystal Stranger will walk us through how to do that. She's a partner and COO of clear.tax, that's C-L-E-R.tax, the Inc. 5000 placing global corporate tax and bookkeeping firm. She's also the author of the Small Business Tax Guide, and, in, and she is an enrolled agent, the highest credential earned from the IRS. She's a webinar presenter for CPA Academy and my cpe.com. She's got thousands of registrants typically, and she's a frequent speaker for professional organizations, as well as being, as well as being a resource for publications ranging from the New York Times to Money Magazine. Crystal, it's fantastic to have you here with us. Yeah, thank you so much, Bill. I'm so glad to be here and so glad to be able to help your viewers be able to improve their tax positions and really bulletproof their company for when they go to that next level of an acquisition deal or moving on to selling their company, that type of thing. I'm, I love to help companies from really early stages to be able to be strong in order to grow and in order to develop their businesses and be super successful. And that's what we do at Clear. Our team is really focused on that and helping entrepreneurs do what they do best so we can focus on the business side. Um, so when you yeah. talk about your, the people that you're a servant to, I know you've got quite a, a large organization with lots of folks. And so geographically, do you guys specialize any place or you're pretty uh, agnostic about where your clients might be from? Oh, yeah, we have clients all over the world. We're actually about 50% domestic and 50% international clients. So we have clients in South America, Africa, Europe, Asia, pretty much anywhere you think of. We have we have clients. Let's not forget Australia and New Zealand gets dropped off maps a lot. I hear lately. We won't forget them either. But yeah, definitely. We have yeah, thousands of clients all over the world. And we actually specialize in that with some of the more difficult corporate tax forms in particular. So form 5472 is used by foreign founders of U.S. companies in order to report that ownership of, of like non-U.S. persons in a U.S. corporation. So we do thousands of those returns every year. And we don't charge additional for that form, which really differentiates us from a lot of other tax firms out there that charge really substantial amounts for every form 5472. We also do a lot of foreign corporation taxes, but we do have to charge extra for that because it's a tremendous amount of work. It's probably the most difficult U.S. tax return you can do is, uh, is a tax return that includes form 5471, which is for corporations outside the U.S. It can get really deep in the weeds there with returns hundreds of pages long. You know, yeah, even I just, know. yeah, it takes hours just to look at it and review it. 
It so can Crystal, be. I, I know you've got, you guys solve complex problems for lots and lots of kind of people. Maybe to help our visitors understand, you could give us a, maybe a case study that you remember of a real client and walk through maybe how they found you or vice versa, and then how you onboarded them. How you uh, sure. do months to Yeah, so we work primarily from referrals. We've never advertised or done anything like that. We we get a lot of referrals from corporate formation partners. That's our largest uh, area of referral. A lot of tech companies, in particular, they'll go through an accelerator program. They'll okay, a company it, as an example. We have uh, one that I thought was super fun is they have a company that plays video games for other people like while they're working. So when you go to work and you don't want to fall behind in your video game, they have like people all over the world who work for them and go in and play the video games during, uh, during that time. Uh, and that company, for example, started very small, came to us like right when they formed and they've grown throughout that time with us helping them at first just with tax returns when there really was zero income, zero expenses as they got started. Then as they get larger, they would need some bookkeeping support. So we're able to help with that. We actually have all-inclusive packages that include the tax filing, includes support, a consultation calls, being able to plan and grow, and then all the financials prepared for the company. So it makes it where we can hand off the majority of that financial side of the company when you get really busy building your company and be able to grow to that success and move to the level where you are acquirable or able to raise bigger money and, and grow to the bigger level where you need in-house in-house team. So. So Crystal, I've got a couple, actually three of my clients now are going through acquisition and, and what was supposed to be simple due diligence is stretched out into two, three, due four, Due diligence five. is never simple. <laughs> so, yeah. So never. maybe you could give us another, one more case study and walk through how one of your clients <laughs> being set up properly, financially, at least there's other things to do due diligence on, but maybe give us an example of how your services streamline the financial due diligence during an acquisition. Sure. One of the one of the big issues that comes up a lot is whether or not to file California tax returns for companies that have a founder or someone in California. And I always tend to lean on the conservative side and say most of the time with startups, it's eight hundred dollars a year minimum tax. You should just file, pay it, take care of it, and be properly like formed and you know registered as a foreign corporation qualified to do business in the state. Uh, but there's a lot of other tax attorneys out there who say, oh no, you don't need to do that. Startups don't need it in California if you're not active yet. And then you get to the point of the acquisition deals. And we had one client who was in an acquisition deal and the, the buyers actually held out $186,000 in tax money because of three unfiled California returns that we had recommended for filing each year because one of the three founders had was in California and the other two were in Europe. 
And they didn't have any real activity in California, but just with that tiny contact with the state, it was enough that in the multi-million dollar acquisition deal, it, it's a relatively small amount, but it's a lot when you think that they could have just paid $2,400 to California and kept 183000 some back out of that acquisition deal. So it can be pretty substantial when you come down to the actual deal terms and you're trying to close a deal and the tax lawyers and lawyers on the other side are looking for anything possible to claw money back from. So that's why it's just so important to do everything correctly from the beginning. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think when you said you, you mentioned uh, lawyers and other due diligence personnel, a lot of times, one of my clients, <laughs> particularly little company, $3 million, but the acquirer has hired a gigantic firm that mm -hmm. specializes in due diligence. And yep. it's agonizing when they have to go back and reconstruct and re uh, uh, in their case it wasn't so much filing returns but the way the way they did uh, expense accounting and things like that over the time mm -hmm. so you touched on this next question a little bit crystal but you got a lot of competition out there so tell us how your firm puts the competition the potential competition in the dust yeah, we really have been able to provide exceptional service at a really competitive price. So we're a value-oriented firm where we're really focused on being able to help startups do things correctly from day one without eating up all of their working capital and professional fees. Because there's some companies out there that do a good job. I mean, they'll charge $6,000 for a simple startup tax return. And that's, that's actually the origin story of our company is oh. my co-founder, Dave McKeegan. He was at a conference in Bangkok and spoke about taxes. And after that, shortly after that, one of the early employees at Stripe had overheard his speech. And they said, oh, we've just formed this Atlas corporate formation arm, and we formed like 2,400 companies, and we don't know where to send them for tax filing that, because we've talked to Silicon Valley firms, we've talked to big four firms, and they want $10,000 for a simple startup tax return, and these companies can't afford that. Would you be able to put together a company to service this need of an inexpensive corporate tax return. And that's really what differentiates us and is that we're able to help these smaller startups, a lot of which have C-Corps and returns that other people would look at and say, oh, that's too complicated. But for us, because we do thousands of them, it's not that complicated. So we're able to have that efficiency that I think a lot of other tax firms, even business tax firms, just can't match. So when what was the year of your founding, Crystal? It was, oh, that's a good question. I believe it was 2018. 
2018. Okay. So you guys have skyrocketed growth. So walk us through some of the major milestones besides that, if you will, that founding speech. That was, that was a great story. So what did they end up being an angel investor, not an angel, but, but an A round investor stripe, or did you guys bootstrap it or how'd you build your we business? Boot, we've bootstrapped it. We've raised zero funding for our okay. growth. So we've basically just built on top of our success every year and been able to expand based on that. In more recent years, I think a lot of our ability to scale and grow has come from our development on the company growth side. We've built out a lot of technology and tools internally to be able to make us more efficient, to help everyone do their jobs better, manage the workload and the growth as we're scaling the company. I think that's definitely helped us continue to to keep up with the base. It's it's tricky. The tax industry is really challenging in a lot of ways because all of your clients want their tax returns done the week before April 15th, right? So you have to both be able to handle a crazy amount of demand at that time of year and balance it out with getting people in the door earlier, getting, you know, team members to be able to mentally and physically handle the demands of that and to be able to really balance that workload out as much as possible. So um, I think that's really been one of our biggest keys of success is we hired a HR manager and created a number of training programs where now we actually have team members like wanting to join us and we have a waiting list of team members wanting to join compared to prior years where initially we were doing a lot of outsourcing, using outsourcing firms and getting kind of mixed results with the virtual employees coming to us from these firms. and. I think that our team is really amazing right now and everyone loves what they do and they love taxes. They love bookkeeping. Uh, everybody on our team is an accountant. Even our customer success agents are actually accountants and have accounting degrees for because that way they're able to communicate and talk better about what the client's needs are when it comes to financial matters. So. I think that's really huge is when you can find the right passionate people for every seat and have have that love where everybody loves what they're doing. That's really, I think, one of the biggest secret sauces, you could say, to success in any area. The, the companies that we work with also who become super successful, I see that with them as well, that they love what they do. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine with your niche, it's like having a bunch of children growing up or all around you. <laughs> yeah, I love tax. Tax is my background. I mean, I'm mainly on the business side now, but it's so fun. Like taxes are like financial puzzles that you have to put together and figure out exactly the right way for all the pieces to go together in order to build this accurate picture that reflects what the business is doing optimizes you know, how, how much tax is paid in each year going forward. It, it's so fun. You know? yeah. It's really amazing. 
Yeah. I can see how animated you are. Now, uh, so from a f financial model standpoint, Crystal, do you guys, are, are you tend to be a retainer? People retain you month to month or are you project oriented or a combination or what's your model look like? Yeah, so we have more of a subscription model that we have been moving to as a company. And that area has been like one of our biggest growing areas in the last couple of years. Uh, prior to that, we, we really were more of an a la carte type of tax firm where you come, you get tax, you get your bookkeeping done. But I think everyone has really appreciated that more all-inclusive, like for a flat monthly amount, you get everything you need taken care of in that area. And I should say it isn't quite everything because there are some like specialized areas in the accounting field that really it, it's not like we could do it, but I don't see it as best serving the clients for us to delve into those areas. Um, payroll is an, is an example. Payroll is really specialized. And honestly, most companies are better off with PEO services, in my opinion, rather than payroll companies until you have probably at least 15 or 20 employees, because you just, there's a lot that goes into getting them set up properly in every state for every employee, managing all the benefits, meeting all the compliance and rules. It, it eats up a lot of time for the company's founders um, that, in my opinion, is better spent on growing their business in that stage. PEO companies that hire the employees and they're the employer of record they just make everything a lot simpler. Us providing payroll services, in my opinion, would be doing a disservice because for most of early stage clients, I don't think it's really the best way forward. Although some of our clients do use payroll services and they like doing it that way. I'd say in general, that's a better way to go. And then the other thing that we that I think usually should be separated is sales tax because there's a couple companies out there that have built out really robust software platforms for calculating the amounts. And those companies, you just can't compete with it on a small level because the information isn't readily available. And you have to go every month to the state sales tax website, look up exactly the amount not just for the state, but for the locality where every purchase is made. And it just, it wouldn't make any sense to do that manually in, in this day and age when there's good software platforms to do that. So though those two things are additional add-ons as needed. Uh, I, we, do, we do consultations on that though. So, that's what I'm just, yeah. and that's my next question yeah. is, you sound like a consultant and a coach right now. So you do, so you do help people figure out strategically how to approach this whole financial. Yeah, ab absolutely. Especially sales tax. There's so many gray areas and so much strategy when it comes to when to register, where to register, even like for certain types of businesses to direct marketing at certain states and markets where you have a longer time until you need to actually register. There's so much you can do to focus your efforts on a business side 
in order to minimize your compliance costs and risks in that area. Yeah, it makes sense. So how do you how do you you and your partner manage your business? Do you have a management team of sorts? Do you have management meetings, annual planning? Walk us through how you run your business as a, as an owner. Yes, we actually run on the EOS system. Do you do you know that the entrepreneurial operating yeah. system? Yeah. Yeah. So we've I was really reluctant at first, I will say. I'm 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 now a EOS master integrator, but at the beginning I was reluctant because I'm not always sure about other people's system and if it's going to fit in my my views of doing things, but it takes a lot of the really good ideas from other business books I've read throughout the years and puts them together in a cohesive system to be able to operate with. So I think that's, and it makes it understandable for other people, like for team members to be able to come in and follow it when you have a set system like that, that you're operating on from a business and leadership side where the whole team can be involved and following on. So we run with a weekly leadership meeting and the weekly leadership meeting is, you know, the upper level of team leads. Then we have a second team lead leadership meeting with a lower level of team leads. Um, and then we have weekly meetings for each of our three main departments. So tax, bookkeeping, and customer success accountants. So each one of those. So that way we're able to take the issues up to higher levels and leadership if needed, and then bring them down lower to the team level to make sure all the messages and communication gets out. It's discussed, everyone is understanding throughout the organization. And then the development team runs slightly separate and we have daily standups and bi-weekly sprint planning there. So it's very system systematized, you could say. And we have quarterly at the leadership level and annual for the entire company where we go over setting goals for the next year. And every single person in our company has rocks, which I think is, okay. So for those of you out there who don't really know the, the EOS system, there's a concept where if you just let your business kind of do its own thing, you're going to have a cup that gets all filled up with little like pebbles and sand and water, which are your day-to-day -day issues, your crises that come up, emails, things like that. And then you don't have anywhere to put a big rock, which is the things that move your company forward that you want to focus on. But if you have rocks and you set a quarter-sized goal that is something that can be completed in a quarter and makes a difference in the organization, improves something for not just yourself, but other team members, other your clients, like it makes a difference. Then you put that in first and everything else fills in around it and you're able to make that bigger growth. Yeah, we've explained that to the whole team. Everyone gets really excited and picks different things every quarter that they want to work on and improve and some more ambitious than others, but it makes a lot of progress really fast when you have 75 people completing big projects every quarter. Yes, indeed. So what's holding you back right now, you and your, you and your firm, Crystal? 
it's it's a it's been a slightly challenging time with the economy for many of our clients and we are seeing companies starting to make hard decisions to have to close and that's really really difficult when you have clients who have been doing well with their company but are being affected by rising interest rates inability to get investment and then that's not working well for them so Yes, we get new clients, but it's also, it's really sad. I think it takes a toll on the team, takes a toll on everyone to, to be seeing that, um, those challenges and sometimes not being able to help. You can do so much, but you can't change the interest rate environment for your clients. So yeah. how can our listeners get a hold of you, Crystal? What's the best way? So our website is really easy. It's clear, C-L-E-E-R, like my little sign here, dot tax. And it's quite easy to find. But we actually, we do, we did put together a bit of discount for all of your listeners here. So I'm going to be sharing a link that you can share with your listeners on the page when we get here. And it'll have information about that from, from our team. So I'll get you that. So, Great. We'll make okay. sure that's in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Crystal, finally, what's a single question that I should have asked you and I didn't think of it that would give great value to our listeners? Oh, wow. Question you didn't ask me and would give great value to listeners. Um, what we didn't what we didn't discuss is is really the I don't, I don't know how early stage are your listeners i guess because one of the biggest issues and biggest questions i get asked all the time is what kind of company should i form should i form an llc should i form a c corp like what what is the best entity for the type of business i have so i'd say that's the biggest one i get asked uh, of course, the answer is never that simple. The answer is really, it depends on your business model, where you're located, what kind of product or service you're going to be selling, and a number of other factors. If you're seeking investment, if you plan to sell the business, and there can be so many aspects, but in general, I'd say don't trust Reddit or the internet. There's a lot oh, of good. bad information out there. I see people all the time who come with an LLC and then have problems because they get kicked off of Amazon or Microsoft that they're selling on because they sign the W-9 form with their LLC. And it turns out they're not an LLC that's operating as partnership. They're a disregarded entity and they want the individual, you have a foreign individual, you're going to get a 30% backup withholding out of your payments. For a lot of companies, they don't have profit margins that they can afford a 30% backup withholding and then to get the money back next year when they file their taxes, right? So it can be a real, real detriment if you pick the wrong entity type at the beginning and you read, oh, this person online says this is a good 
entity type, but they maybe had a different type of business model than you did. And sometimes an LLC for a foreign owner can be a really good entity type and can actually be relatively tax-free depending on where that individual is located in the world. And there's a number of aspects that can be really beneficial there as well. But it's, it's really facts and circumstances dependent. And you can't just trust that because your buddy or someone you met on a message group and set their company up this way, that it's the right choice for you and your company. Nice question. Great answer. Thanks, Crystal. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're well, welcome. I'm so glad to be here. So everybody, in closing, let's focus on a single fact, and that is that our businesses don't become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having a visionary strategy, of having a management system to execute that strategy, and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. So you can get your hands on those three things for free. Just go to getbillsgift.com, getbillsgift.com, and you'll know the keys to those three components. Thanks for listening. Crystal, thanks very much for spending your time with us today. Thank you so much, Bill. I'm so glad to have been here. <laughs>